Great. Well, um, very good evening to you and lovely to be with you tonight. I wonder if you could turn, please, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Uh, and just while you're doing that, um, just say very briefly, um, I'm not normally here on a Sunday night because I, I speak at a church up in North London normally, so I'm normally away, but it's lovely to be able to be here. And what a privilege, isn't it, to speak of Christ. Um, you know, he saves sinners, doesn't he? And then he gives us a work to do. And who's worthy to speak of our King? And uh, I also want to mention, I didn't come from a Christian family, but I was saved when I was at school. Uh, and uh, my father was um, subsequently saved, just on his deathbed, actually. And that hymn that we sang, I Was Sinking Deep in Sin, uh, was um, one of the hymns that the Lord used to save my father. So I wanted to thank God for that. Well, shall we just uh, once again pray? We'll be at the end of Luke chapter 10, and from verse 38 down to verse 42. But shall we just again ask the Lord to, uh, to help us? Lord, we thank you for your holy word, and, and Lord, as we've sung, we pray that you might touch our lips once again with that holy fire, that we might be able to speak tonight of Calvary to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray, Lord, for your help and your blessing upon our time and our fellowship together. Amen. Amen. So uh, Luke chapter 10 and uh, verse 38 down to the end. Now it came to pass as they went, they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? that my sister hath left me to serve alone. Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Well, it's a very well-known passage and I, uh, you might think, well, this is a very basic scripture to look at, and I'm sure it's an incident that you have read through in your own time or heard many preached about and been uh, touched by it and, and really led on by Christ. But it's such an important passage as well, isn't it, in that it, it has in it one of the great principles of Christian life, but maybe even broader than that, one of the great principles of life. That is, what is the, the one thing that is needful. There are so many things, aren't there, that occupy us and that uh, take our affection. There are so many things you can make as your priorities and, and really give all your energy and strength to, but not all of them are there, are right and profitable. And there's even something more subtle than that. It's not only that some things are downright wrong and sinful, but some things are fine, but they're the enemy of the best. Have you heard that expression that the good is sometimes the enemy of the best? And that very much also applies to the Christian life, where there might be some things that are permissible and good and right to be involved with, but actually they're not the one thing that is needful, that is described here in the verse. And they can come into what we might describe those, those cares of the world, things that aren't sinful, but the, the worries and the busyness of life that can take us away from that one thing that is needful. And we'll look a little bit at this and see that, in fact, Mary chose that one thing. We have choices, don't we, through our life to make that affects 
the course and the outcome of our lives. And Mary and Martha both made two different choices that I'd like to look at briefly tonight to encourage us in this. But before I do that, it's very striking to look at the context of this passage, because in some respects, as you read through Luke chapter 10, and this period of Christ's ministry on earth, which is thrilling to read about, it, this incident with Martha and Mary might seem a little trivial, if you'll allow me to say that. It, at the beginning of the chapter, the Lord sends out 70 of his disciples, and he sent them out two by two to go to all the cities where he is going to go to, to preach the gospel. And the chapter begins with the really a summation of the great missionary journey which they'd undertaken. Rather like the men you hear about going out to preach from here uh, in their small groups around the country. In, in this chapter, what happens is they come back and they're full of joy because as they've gone out and they've had amazingly fruitful ministry while they've all gone out, I think you could say to a man, they've all come back and their message is that even the devils are subject to us. They've, there's been a miraculous accompanying with the the message that they've been preaching ahead of Christ. And this is how the chapter begins. And then in the middle of the chapter, you have Christ's, as, as it were, responsive, responsive prayer to this, where, it, as it were, just off the spur of the moment, he prays and rejoices in verse 21. It says, in that hour, that is after his disciples have returned and recounted to him, and this means some dialogue, but he says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and i wonder if you've ever had that where you've not um where you've been just at the spur of the moment something spiritual has taken place you've rejoiced in spirit you've heard some news maybe you've heard of someone being healed or someone being saved and you've rejoiced in spirit and christ rejoiced in that in that hour and said and i thank thee O father lord of heaven and earth that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them even unto babes, sorry, reveal them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. And the chapter continues on in this real, in this manner. And, uh, and so it's almost, you might say, something peculiar that we finish with something of a, you might say, a dispute between two sisters about serving foods. We might say about the practicalities of hosting Christ and his disciples in their, in their house. And what you might see would be a very earthly matter of concern that is going on here. But I trust you'll see that that's not fully the case. And in fact, as you see at the start of the chapter, that Christ sent out his disciples two by two to do his work. So the last two of those two that he sent out are Martha and Mary, where there's an important business that is to be done uh, with them. I, I almost asked, um, um, I wasn't bold enough, and maybe I should have been, that we might <clears throat> sing uh, that lovely hymn, uh, Jesus is passing this way. And uh, it's a great hymn. It has that line, is there a heart that is waiting, longing for pardon today? Hear the glad message proclaiming, Jesus is passing this way. And that's a very good introduction to what is happening here with Martha and Mary. Martha, who it seems was the senior one in the house, heard that Jesus was passing this way. And what anticipation and excitement that must have been. She was, we can find from, if you read in John's Gospel, 
that this took place in Bethany, not far out from Jerusalem, where Christ would perform a great miracle in due course, where their brother Lazarus, I, that might be a name that you know, whom, who would die, and Christ would raise him from the dead and perform a great miracle in this household in John chapter 11. You can read about it. And that's where we have those great words that I am the resurrection and the life that Christ says to Martha and Mary in John chapter 11. But this was ahead of this. And as it were, there's a little bit of pruning that needs to be done in the household of Martha and Mary. And I trust you'll allow me to say that because uh, we all need a little bit of pruning, don't we? That is, we all have little bits about us that just are still a little wild before the eyes of Christ, that maybe aren't yet conformed to the pattern of his will, that just needs something that we ourselves can't deal with. Uh, and I wonder if you've got elements in your life, I know that I do in mine, where I think they've been there too long and they're not yet in the manner they should be, uh, that element of my life that's not yet quite right. Well, thank God we have the one who is the, the pruner, the, the gardener, the one who keeps the vine, who is Christ, who is able just to reach out and chop those little bits off that, that aren't quite right, that don't quite, that frankly hold us back. Because that's reality, isn't it, of these things. They, they hold us back from being what Christ would have us to be. And maybe there was something like this with Martha and Mary, that Christ just needed to correct ahead of that great work that would be done in their household when their brother Lazarus would be raised from the dead. I should also say that I don't mean to be negative about Martha. Far from it. In fact, they were lovely Christians, weren't they? And it says, in fact, when their brother dies, that he was whom Jesus loved. He, he doesn't just go to any house, does he, Christ? He, he went to a household where he could, his peace could rest. There are people who loved him. And also at a time, we might say, where not everyone was being popular to be a Christian. They weren't far from Jerusalem and the opposition to Christ was rapidly arising. And to openly receive Christ into their house so publicly, and I think you can infer that they were from a Jewish background originally, and to receive Christ in this way took a real belief and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. So they, they were godly, faithful people. But perhaps Martha just needed a little bit of correcting in some ways. And, and so into our passage tonight of Martha and Mary, you can see how it all went, can't you? That Martha, in verse 38, received him into her house. And it's notable, isn't it, that it's described that it was Martha's house or it was Martha's initiative to grab Christ and bring him in. And, um, and I'm not going to take lots of tangents tonight, but sometimes opportunity and boldness are good things to grab spiritually also, aren't they? You know, that moment to be importune in prayer to God and say, Lord, would you not do this? Would you not please give me this? These these faithful acts of boldness are, are often received by God and he gives us bountifully. And, and Martha received him into her, her house. And in verse 39, she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. So Christ, it would seem, was, was not only there to receive 
hospitality. He had nowhere, did he, of his own to lay his head. He had no house, did he, or permanent home. But he went about preaching the gospel. But he wasn't just there only eating, but he was actually preaching and speaking. And what a thing it must have been. We're not told what he said. Um, only the hearers were privy to know what it was actually that Christ said. But he was speaking and, and holding forth the word of life. And it must have been thrilling to be there and heard it. And there we have the scene with Mary sat at his feet, listening intently to what uh, she was, to what he was saying. It says, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. She was there, fixed, listening to what Christ would say. And then verse uh, 40, but Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him. And you can see and said, Lord, <clears throat> does thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Um, and it, you might say that the, the house would have been really busy, wouldn't it? And Martha was obviously serving people food and drink. And it must have been a lot to do that. I mean, to have the one that she knew was the Christ in her house. And then to have maybe 70 of the disciples there, maybe a, a portion of them or the 12 disciples who would be the foundations of the church. I mean, what a group to have in your house. And so she was faithfully serving uh, their, them food. But you can see that as she struggled to keep up, and we have uh, three children, which I know is not very many compared to some in the church here. But when they're very young and they, they can't even get a cup of water for them, uh, you, you're sometimes like this with children, where one will say, can I have a cup of water? And you'll get them, and the other will say, can I have some toast and some milk? And, and you're just running around, getting them different things because they can't do it for yourself. And, and uh, you can see how, as a parent, you can sometimes be provoked wrongly. Your spirit, your old man can arise and you can, and you can react wrongly against that. And you see, Martha is left alone to serve. And she thinks, well, Mary is just sat there doing nothing. She could at least get up. And then her thinking maybe just gets a little worse. As she, she then thinks, well, and then why isn't the Lord telling her to do anything about it? Um, you'd have thought that the Lord would say to her, don't help your sister. Uh, but none of that. Christ didn't correct Mary. It seemed didn't help Martha. And uh, you can see how Martha maybe originally thought, well, I won't say anything. I'll just carry on. But then gradually got more frustrated. And forgive me to, to add a bit of uh, color to this, which may or not, may not be right. But then eventually said, I'm going to say something. And, and went to Christ, but not to Mary, but to Christ and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And it would seem, wouldn't it, on the surface to be such a, a, a reasonable and right thing to say to Christ. After all, aren't we? We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. It was right, wasn't it, to show hospitality to the Lord of the universe who has sat in their room preaching. There were many of his servants who were there who need, whose physical needs needed to be met. So it would seem what a, what a reasonable complaint to make to the Lord. But as you know, the Lord doesn't correct Mary, but very gently instructs and corrects Martha. 
and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. So I wonder if, as you read through, and I maybe added some color to it, you, you thought, well, maybe Martha's right. Maybe Mary should have got up and helped her sister. And maybe that is a principle for life. You know, first of all, see to all the practical requirements that there are in my life. And, and then, once those are, are dealt with, once we've done all that, then I will sit down and I'll take time to seek after God. That, that's very much, isn't it, a, I think, the natural mind of mankind, that I, I, I do want to seek after God, but I'm just so busy that I'll wait for an appropriate moment when I'm a bit less busy, and then I will seek after God. But I, and you might think that that is reasonable, but the, the truth is that that moment never comes. It, it will simply never come. And I think the Lord is very gracious in, in giving us this incident, because we might think, well, our age and our society is much busier than it always was. There are so many more distractions now. You know, we can go on social media. There are a thousand television channels. There's I can rush around the world to here or there. I, I can be about so busy, so many things that I can do now. But even at this time, where there was no electricity, where life was simple, you might say life was just as busy in its own forms. But actually, what Martha needs to do right there and then was stop, because right there and then was the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. And Martha was about to miss it. I wonder if Christ would return and preach in their house ever again. It's quite possible they might not. <clears throat> I had a very um, lovely grandmother who, um, whom actually, I, you know, there was evidence that Lord worked to save her life. But uh, some years ago, I went, she was French and lived down in the south of France, and I went to visit her. And I try and go down there as often as I could. Um, but um, on one occasion, we, I was able to speak to her a little bit about Christ. And, uh, and just at the end of the trip, we'd been there about a week, I was going back home, and I, I honestly didn't know the next time I'd be able to come. And uh, she slightly closed off our conversation about Christ and remarked, saying, well, we'll talk about it next time. And, uh, and the Lord just gave me that prompt in spirit. And I would never speak to my grandmother of my own fruition in this way. And I responded just almost immediately. I, I don't know if I'll ever be back again. Um, you know, implying you, you, you mustn't defer talking about Christ and, and dealing with him. And actually, phenomenally, I actually don't think I saw her back in the UK many times, but I, I never again went to stay with her for a week down in France. And, uh, and it was something just of a, a lesson to my own soul. But Martha was in that potential same, same position where she might miss the fact that right now Christ was in her house. Right now Christ was speaking. Martha, don't worry about the food. 
it doesn't matter if people go hungry. Uh, we'll sort something out. It doesn't have to be anything. Uh, we can eat later. Right now, you need to sit down next to Mary and hear what Christ has to say. And that is our chief need, isn't it, in life? What is it that Christ has to say to me? And if he's speaking to us, don't think he'll carry on speaking tomorrow as well. So I'll just wait until tomorrow. We must, mustn't we, act today. One of my great heroes is D.L. Moody. And I probably shouldn't use that term, but I think one of the great examples of the faith. But his ministry began in the, around the American Civil War. And one of his first times when he went to be a full-time evangelist was, was to the soldiers who were stationed outside Chicago. And he realized for many of them that when they left, they, they were going to, uh, many of them would die in battle, maybe even a, a day or a week later. And he would be the last preacher that they would hear. And he, he as a consequence, he developed something of a style of, of encouraging people not to delay. And there is some wisdom in that, isn't it? That we know not what will happen tomorrow. And Martha, Christ is in your house today. Hear him and what he would say. It's all the more important when going back to how Christ prayed in verse 22 of the same chapter, where he says, All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is, but the Father, and whom the Father is, but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. You see, there, there isn't, uh, I, I'm doing a little bit of academic work at the moment as part of my job. And one of the things I've learned, uh, as I've been told by an academic, is that if you have five academics in the room, they'll tell you five different versions of the truth. And there is no absolute truth. Uh, this is in social sciences. Forgive me if I'm trampling anyone who's in that, in that field. There was an academic who told me that himself. But uh, the, the point is, there is no absolute truth there. You've got to search out and find little bits here and there, join it together, and then you might um, find the truth. But that is not the case with it when it comes to eternal truths in Christ. He says that no one knows the Father but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. There is only one way to know God. There's, there is simply no other way other than through the Lord Jesus Christ and him revealing God to us. There is absolute truth. And why is that relevant to Martha? Because Martha, the one who is the truth, beyond whom there is no truth concerning the way to heaven, is here now. There is no one else in whom truth may be found other than in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is sat here now. So has Mary chosen the right thing? Absolutely. Martha, are you missing something? You're not sinning by doing what you're doing, but what you're doing is you're missing out on that thing which is most important of all. That is to hear from Christ as he speaks now. Mary had just the right idea. And I wonder, have, have we got that right principle as a foundation for our lives? You see, Christ won't walk this way in this manner in our time, will he? Where we'll suddenly hear that he is visiting Swindon and we should go there. And in fact, the Bible tells explicitly that if someone tells you that, 
then you know it's a false Christ, because that is never again how Christ will, will minister. But in each part of the day, each of us can surely take a moment, can't we, where we can sit in our closet, close the door, and we can draw near to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can take that moment, can't we, daily, where we can meet with Christ and hear what he will have to say with us. The hymn writer read that lovely hymn, there is any hour so sweet from dawn of dust will break a day of that which calls me to thy feet, to thy throne, the hour of prayer. And we can all, can't we, take our, that, that priority in our lives to be able to do that. Some I know have incredibly busy lives and it you can't take hours and hours a day to be able to do that. But it's always possible, isn't it, to, to prioritize and make a moment where we might seek after and hear what Christ would say to us. I rather like what one commentator described it as this. It is, uh, as Mary sitting at the feet of Christ and said, it signifies a readiness to receive and in a submission, an entire resignation of ourselves to the guidance of what Christ will say. And isn't that the attitude that we can all come? We can come and say, Lord, what hast thou to say to me? And we can open our scriptures and, and who knows what God will say to us. And some might say, well, I, I'm not a very good reader. I don't like to read. Well, uh, reading is really, the, reading the Bible is about hearing from God, isn't it? Most of us, I think, very few of us would say, well, I, I never like listening to anything. Somehow we do find ways to listen to many things, don't we, on a daily basis. In fact, we probably never stop listening to things, do we? Uh, but we can all, can't we, make a time to hear from God and his words day by day. In fact, we might say, mind we of our lives, that there are many things that, are, that we are, can be careful about, many things that we can be troubled about. But Christ would say to us, one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. And may I just say this as, um, as one of the last things that I'll, I'll say tonight, that there is a choice that we all have, isn't there? It's interesting that language that he makes, you know, uh, Mary had a choice. She could have either, Martha, do what you're doing, and there's nothing sinful in what you're doing, Martha, but she could have chosen to do that. But instead, she chose that she would sit at my feet and hear what I have to say. And there is a truth, isn't there, that we all make choices. We all have that ability to, don't we, to, to choose how we'll spend our time, whether I will do this or whether I will do that instead, whether I will go to the meeting or whether I will do something else. And if we are true to ourselves, we know that very often it is because we've chosen one thing over the other, that we might do it very quickly and we might do it subliminally, but we make choices, don't we? But how important those choices are. And you see, the Lord's yoke that he puts upon us is one that is easy because he is meek and humble in heart. He doesn't compel us, does he? to do his will, but he wishes us in serving him to choose to do his will, to take his yoke upon us, to learn of him, to listen from him. And that's why though this, this incident might seem somewhat out of place to the other 
miraculous and such phenomenal events going on in Luke chapter 10. Actually, this is, isn't it, the great principle of life, the great principle of Christian life that the Lord would say to each one of us for our lives that one thing, one thing is truly needful. Now, I'm not saying that we should all, the pastor should return from this wonderful mission trip and find the church filthy, no food for lunch next Sunday. We should all go home and find our houses are tips. No one's done any washing up. Uh, that's not by any means what, what is meant by this. But there will be times, won't there, where we'll have to make choices what we do in our, in our lives and day by day. And if we're true to ourselves, it, the reality is we do choose to make the time to seek after God or not. And it's a daily choice and life to move. And if I might finish with this one encouragement that Christ finishes this great statement, because Martha, I love the fact, as someone else is pointing out, hasn't defended herself, has she? Have you noticed that Mary has said not one word to say, but Martha, I'm listening, or something else like that. She hasn't said a thing. She's just sat there and listened. But the very last sentence of the verse, we say this, Christ says, which shall not be taken away from her. And I suppose Mary obtained something that night from Christ that she would never lose. She had, uh, by taking that choice, that decision to sit at the feet of Christ, Christ met with her and it would not be taken away from her, the choice that she made. And my closing remark and encouragement to us is that Christ is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That we too have that same promise. We might think, well, I am nobody. Christ won't meet with me if I seek after him. Or he will not take note of what it is that I am doing and how I am acting. That is far from the truth. He, he, he's went to meet with Mary and Martha, not at this point with Lazarus, but with these two to do business with them. He is interested, isn't he, with every individual. Uh, and if I might just, uh, there was one anecdote that I wanted to close with, which I trust would illustrate this to you, to make you realize that every soul is precious and that every one of us, when we seek after God, he, he delights in it and we can be sure that he will meet with us in the same way that he did with Mary. There was a Christian soldier just uh, in the 19th century who was a lovely Christian, and he was out, sent out to serve uh, in, uh, first of all, India, then in Africa. But while he was sailing by ship, and the days where you couldn't just jump on a plane, but where he had a long sea journey, he, in the evenings when he wasn't working, he asked the permission of the ship's captain to go downstairs and speak to the sailors and read the Bible to them for a tremendous example of evangelist. And every night he would go down there uh, and speak to them about Christ. But there were also some prisoners who were being transported back from India to go back to the UK to face various sentences. And at that time, they were pretty severe sentences. And there was one person who was going back to be executed, but actually had fallen sick on his bed. And, you know, the lowest of the low, a criminal who is going back to be uh, sentenced to death and was also going to die on the route back 
because it had fallen sick. But he begged the soldier to come and speak to him. He heard him speaking and he sent a messenger to him and, and said, please come and talk to me. And the captain had finished his work and wanted to go to bed, but he thought, well, I'll go down there. But this prisoner was saved. Uh, he went down there and he spoke to him and he was born again and forgiven. He was a terrible sinner, that man. No one had any thought for him, but, but God did. And he was saved, but he wasn't saved from his sickness. And he did die and he succumbed to his disease, but as a wonderful Christian. But this soldier had the privilege of taking his funeral on board ship. And if you've seen films or so, you'll know that they commit the body to the deep by putting the body into the grave. And, and the soldier recounted that as, uh, as they committed his body, a wave rose right up against the side of the ship and the coffin slipped into the ocean and it didn't even make a splash. And he described it and said it was as though God had received this man to himself and wouldn't even allow his body to make a splash in the water as he entered eternity. A man who no one had anything, any time for, who was a criminal, lost, but God received into eternal life. There's no uh, vanity or, or fruitlessness in seeking after God is there. Mary hath chosen that good part. One thing is needful. And may all of us, it, believing that Christ is faithful, that we'll meet with him, also choose that good part, surely knowing that Christ will also meet with us when we come to him. Amen. Well, shall we just um, bow our heads and pray um, in prayer, and then we'll take our last hymn together. Lords, we do indeed thank you for these accounts in Scripture that you've given us that we, ordinary people, might take heart and also take admonition from our God. Thank you that you have spoken to us in your word and you've revealed the way in which we might be reconciled to you and that your, your will that we might draw near to God and not be distracted by the many things. And you know, Lord, those many things in our lives which uh, are not yet where they should be. And Lord, we ask, as we sang earlier, that King of our lives, we pray that you would indeed lead us on to that higher ground. Those things which are yet displeasing to you, we pray that you might give us grace to lay them aside and focus on that one thing that is needful, even this week, that we might, Lord, have ears open to seek after our God. And we thank you again for the reality of Christ coming down to save sinners from their sin, to die for on the cross for us. And we are grateful indeed, Lord, for this incident this night and for all your goodness and mercy. Amen. Amen.